Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. Welcome to the Paddle Sports Coaching Podcast. Uh, my name is Pete Catcher, I'm the talent coach developer for British Canoeing and today I'm really pleased to have a along alongside us is uh, an old friend of mine, um, uh, Ben Simmons, uh, who um, I've known for a very long time uh, and actually makes me feel old now. Um, but uh, got him along today to talk about his coaching and the coaching he does within his school and, and outside the school and just his development as a coach. Uh, and we'll probably talk around all sorts of other stuff around coaching and teaching and learning as, as we go. So uh, what I'll do is I'll hand over to Ben just to give a, a bit of an introduction to himself. So if you could just, Ben, if you could just let us know kind of who you are, a bit of your background, occupation, paddle sport background, coaching journey, fill us in on 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 who you are and how you've got to how you got to where we have actually. That would be good. Yeah, thank you very much, Pete. So as you just said, uh, my name is Ben Simmons. Uh, I was introduced to paddling around the age of 11 by my dad and through the scouts, really, to begin with. Um, and throughout my teenage years, my paddling skills improved. And as they improved, I kind of got an enthusiasm for white water. And this was really spurred on to begin with through a trip to the French Alps with Plazzy Brennan when I finished my GCSEs uh, when I was about 16. Um, I really enjoyed discovering new rivers. And since then, I've been whitewater paddling in and around probably about 15 different countries all around the world. My first real introduction to disciplines other than white water was at Durham University, mainly with river racing and polo. But it's quite funny when I look back now, uh, because at the time I didn't really have any interest in these and I didn't think that participating in them would really be of benefit to me. I compete in the inter-university competitions, but only really as someone to make up the numbers. After I finished university, I then became a teacher and for the past eight years I've taught physics at Abingdon School and I also run canoe polo and whitewater kayaking for the students there. Brilliant. So that's that's yeah. You got quite a quite a varied background there, aren't you? With with all the you know the, the paddle sport stuff and and obviously being a physics teacher. Uh, that's uh, I'm sure they go hand in hand somehow. But um, a lot of that's beyond me. Um, so you you do a lot of coaching polo at Abingdon School. So how does what does like a, a typical coaching block look like at, at the school for you guys? Um, to be honest, if we look probably look at a week is probably the easiest. So a normal week of paddle sport for us uh, would probably involve a white water session on one of the Thames weirs in Abingdon, and then pretty much a separate hour of polo for each year group in the school from year seven through to year 13. Looking towards the younger end, the younger student sessions are more introductory kayaking type things because a lot of students haven't been in a boat before. Um, and then the polo specific training becomes more intensive as they get older. Some of the older students are also lucky enough that they have a strength and conditioning session and there's a nice structure in place as well, which means the sixth form students uh, have gained the relevant qualifications and they can run polo sessions for the younger year group. So for those sessions, I generally supervise in a coaching mental capacity rather than just um, just coaching them directly. So the school's pretty supportive of, of paddle sports then by the sound of it? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. We're really lucky um, in that um, there's a big emphasis on the extracurriculum. So the students aren't forced to do a particular sport so they don't have to do rugby at any particular stage or they don't have to do football they can they can genuinely choose whatever sport it is they want to do at any particular age group wow that's really that's that's amazing isn't it to get to get that and it's not just all about academic outcomes there's, there's good sport and good options for sport in there as well wow yeah definitely i think um i think the students really appreciate it and one of 
one of the things which I think is really nice is I think the point of school sport should be to find people a sport for life. I think uh, all too often in school sport, people are forced to do things that they don't want to do and they just get a negative view of sport. Whereas if you can become really enthusiastic about something like kayaking while you're at school, you'll probably go on and carry on doing that into your 40s and 50s, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more that, uh, you know, I, I do believe a lot of people say, oh, I'm not very sporty. I just think they haven't found the right sport for them. Like there is a, you know, sport's a massive area isn't it and there's I think there's something for everybody whether it's competitive non-competitive water sports team sports individual sports I think there's something for everyone I think you, yeah you're absolutely right give people give people the big chance and opportunity to do something and and they'll probably find something that that works for them and and I guess also some people don't like the word sport and they'll they'll call it something else they'll call it a pastime or their the thing they do their hobby or something but yeah it's there is always something for, for everybody I think and and so polo, so you you came from, you know, I know pretty well your, your paddling background. You came from a, an individual whitewater background and now you coach polo. And co polo is obviously a team sport. So how has your coaching developed to be able to work with a team sport? How, how, does, how does that work? Because, you know, that's something I haven't got experience with. I haven't really worked in, in team sport at all. So... I, how have you developed that from individual players, but still keeping the team aspect? Well, it's quite a um, tricky question. Um, to be honest, I think that um, good coaching is probably good coaching regardless. And I think if you probably took a great white water coach and you asked them to deliver a session to some polo players, you would be able to see some improvement in the polo players paddling. And it just, as you say, the difference is having that team environment. We both know that as a coach, when you structure some practice, you can change the individual, the task or the environment. And I think this applies regardless of discipline. So I think it's really good with the British Canoeing um, Coaching Awards at the moment. You've got the core coach with lots of different disciplines, and then you can specialise later on. I think in the previous episode of this podcast, I think it was um, Dan Goddard who was talking about feedback and said that the best sessions uh, he coaches have four students or fewer because it allows individualization and time for practice. I completely agree with this on whitewater, but as you say in polo, the problem is I'm probably standing on the bank and I've probably got two teams of five players, possibly with some substitutes at the same time. And so it becomes more tricky. And I think um, just like in the classroom uh, when I'm teaching uh, on the polo pitch within those 12 players, there'll be students of lots of different abilities um, who will probably be working together on the same task. And it's all about how you set up that task uh, in order to get the right individualization. So I try and scaffold the tasks from the beginning to try and ensure that those individual students are getting stretched at the task that they're trying to work on um, without feeling that it becomes boring for them. Um, I, like, so to give you an example, like I might choose the positions that particular students are playing dependent on their ability. Um, or I might think of other constraints which target the development of specific individuals. Uh, within our club, actually, it's quite interesting. The most well-ingrained constraint, which uh, has been going since, since the very start, is that if you're not playing in one of our pink boats, which is the team colour boats, uh, you can't be pushed in by the other players. And so it provides a nice supportive environment for those who are newer to the sport to be able to experience the sport with those uh, who've been playing a while uh, without feeling that there might be too much pressure for them. Um, kind of thinking about other bits and pieces, um, with that, I think obviously coming back to the team ethos, which you were mentioning, it's a really important aspect of any team sport and something which I think I do really notice uh, when I'm coaching polo compared to white water. 
when I think of the most successful teams that I've coached, they're definitely the ones who are all moving towards the same goal and encourage each other to improve in a supportive way. And on those teams, it doesn't really matter who's the fastest or strongest or probably the best at shooting, as long as everyone's committed to improvement. Um, I think I have seen examples where as soon as players get into the habit of criticising each other, things fall apart pretty quickly. And I think a key thing for me as a coach is recognising when this happens and acting on it. To give you an example, um, I can think of a few times where I've told the best players the next time a negative comment comes out of their mouth, they won't be there for the next session. And, it, and, and as long as you stamp on it pretty quick, then, uh, it can, then everything can kind of get back to the way you want it to be. And as I said earlier, it's nice for me when teams win games, but I get the most satisfaction when people actually just get a genuine interest in kayaking and want to carry on. And I love it when five years down the line, you see them and they're still doing the same thing. Yeah, sure. That, it's, it, that's, I mean, there's loads going. I, I'm hearing all sorts of things there. So um, one question I did want to ask it was about, um, so obviously you coach polo and you coach white water, but you're also, you know, um, pretty high level physics teacher. Do, do you see, do you see that, the way you teach and coach or teach in a classroom is different to the way you would coach maybe in the polo environment or in the white water environment or do you just see it all as teaching or all as coaching what's 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 your viewpoint on that where do you see teaching and coaching being the same or different and how does that affect you do you think i've, I've kind of waffled that question a little bit because it's quite a tricky question to get out but yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a um, sort of tricky question. It's actually something that I've reflected on quite a lot over the years. Um, I think if I probably look back probably six or seven years ago, I would have said that, in my opinion, coaching and teaching were the same thing. But over the last seven or eight years, um, my mindset's changed quite a lot. I think when you think of the role of being a coach, whether you're a teacher or you've got any other sort of job, um, there's quite you people bring their own personal baggage to it. Um, and for me, in the classroom, probably everybody I teach, if you, if you spoke to them, they probably agree that I favour quite a direct style of explicit instruction. And I do get good outcomes and the kids get good A-level results. But I think part of this is that if you look at A-level physics and you look at the sort of questions that the students have got to do, there's basically a recipe that needs to be followed. And if they don't tick those points in the mark scheme and they don't tackle the question using the right skills in the right way, they won't necessarily get the marks. Um, but if you look at situations on the water, let's think about polo, for example, there's, there's lots of different successful ways of attacking and defending on white water. There's lots of different decisions which could be made when looking at a particular rapid, which would all end up within the correct outcome. So I think it took me quite a long time to separate the fact that when I'm coaching, there's not, and when I'm talking about when I'm coaching uh, paddle sport here, there's not necessarily a correct outcome and there are lots of different ways that a certain problem can be solved. Um, and therefore kind of a different approach is often more positive um, in that regard. Um, I don't mind reflecting on the fact that when I took my original performance coach assessment, uh, I failed and at the time, I just really couldn't see why. But when I look back now, I realize it was because I was basically doing my performance coach assessment in the same way that I would teach my A-level physics lesson and saying, right, we're gonna do this next. And then I know that in order to get better, in my opinion, you need to do this, which may, be, may have been true for that particular person who I was coaching, but there may have been, I don't know, five other ways that they could have got through the same thing and ended up with an equally successful outcome. Kind of on the flip side of that, I would say that I do now spend a lot of time kind of um, 
with a more participants uh, centered approach to my coaching of paddle sport. I would also say there are times when I'm standing on the side, I'm coaching polo and I've got 15, uh, let's say 11 year olds and they're all trying to do something. And in that, in that, in that sort of situation, I probably do revert to, to the sort of direct instruction teacher style, but certainly once they get better and they've got an individual goal um, and they know where they want to go, it's a very much an individualized program. And I work with the students to try and um, kind of develop where they're going um, in terms of their mindset. Yeah, and, and I suppose you're used to, I don't know what class sizes you guys have at Abingdon, but you're probably quite used to dealing with quite a few people at a time. So do, do you feel you can individ, so individualise on the water? Do you feel you can individualise in the classroom to the same extent, or is that, are you a bit more constrained with that? Uh, no, um, I'd say just to answer your first question, we have uh, most class sizes are 24 students. So it is more difficult to individualise when you've got 24 students in the classroom compared to four outs uh, doing some whitewater coaching but it really depends um, on the way you go about your individualization so in the classroom when I'm teaching um, I'll do a lot of differentiation by questioning so I'll target specific students with specific questions um, because I know that, that particular student needs that particular area of their knowledge uh, to be focused on um, obviously uh, the way that you set up tasks as well is important so uh, whether I'm setting up a task on the water for a group playing polo or I'm setting up a, cl a class, sorry, a task in the classroom, um, I'm thinking about how are the people who are at the lower end of this ability spectrum, how are they going to be able to access the task and what scaffolding do I need to put in place so that they can um, basically have some success in the task. But equally, those students in the classroom who are going to find that first bit easy, is there that question at the end that they can do where um, it's really kind of... Um, igniting their enthusiasm for the subject and um, basically giving them something extra that that really interests them in the subject matter we're doing at that particular point and so in that respect I do think there is a, is quite an overlap in terms of sort of the coaching that I do on the water and the teaching that I do in the classroom um, because you have got to be able to um, cater for that whole ability range and you have got to be able to target to the needs of those specific individuals Brilliant. And, and, and I guess you'll, you'll probably agree with me on this, that, that the only way you can do that is if you really understand the subject so that you can put it across, whether we're talking, you know, a school classroom subject or paddle sport, that you've got to have a really good understanding of that as, as a teacher or a coach. But you've also got to really understand the people in front of you as well so that you can know who's going who's gonna to be, as what did you say that, like, you know, really interested in something, who's going to be the ones that you need to nurture along a little bit who you're going to need to make the task harder for who you're going to need to make the task easier for that must be quite a challenge with big groups uh yeah absolutely um, but i think the lucky thing from my point of view um, particularly in teaching and the sort of students i coach is that my teaching or coaching cycle is five to seven years long because they either come in in year seven or year nine to the school and i've got them for that period of time so by the time i've kind of known them for a couple of years for the next kind of four or five years after that, you've got an idea of what those strengths and the weaknesses are of that person. Hopefully you've worked with them to try and um, develop them and try and um, um, get them through any potential uh, areas for improvement. I think the other thing that you said to, in terms of the subject knowledge, I absolutely agree with. Um, when I think about my teaching, if I haven't got great subject knowledge on a topic, uh, particularly when I'm teaching academic students, um, they're not gonna get the same level of 
output from it if I can't explain it to the highest possible level. And I say that is something that I've actually found quite challenging about coaching the two different disciplines, because as we said earlier, sort of like my traditional discipline is white water. But before I started coaching polo, I hadn't really done much of it apart from playing at university. Um, and as I said, in those five to seven years, the students can become pretty good. And for me, it's just making sure that my subject knowledge is um, up there and I find things really useful. I've got lots of friends who've played uh, GB polo and I kind of ring them up or send them Facebook messages asking them for advice on particular things or when would you use this particular tactic. And I say, <laughs> something which I always laugh at is um, in the early days when I was coaching polo and some of the people listening to this will probably remember this. Um, the, I, I didn't know a particular rule and I made it up in one of our coaching sessions and then we went along to a tournament uh, and the boy got blown up by the referee for this uh, thing that he'd done and he started to, like questioning the referee because he said no the rule's this and of course it wasn't the rule it was that I made up the rule wrongly before and so I think it's really important to say uh, if you don't know something you've got to hold your hands up and you've got to say look I don't know I'll get back to you um, because otherwise it will come out down the line to um, to have a negative consequence or to bite you uh, later on. <laughs> I, love that. I can just imagine you just like sneaking out the back of the room at that point going, <laughs> it was somebody else. He's making it up. It wasn't me. That's brilliant. Yeah. That subject knowledge is really important, isn't it? So, so important. And and that's really interesting. You, you work, I hadn't really thought about that the way you work, that you work with people over, you know, so yeah, six to seven years, which is way more aligned to um, the, the group I normally work with, the group of coaches I normally work with, who, who work with people over, you know, multiple years. So that that long term coach athlete relationship, you've got that the same in the classroom, but you've also got that within the, your polo as well, haven't you? So that's really good. That's really good. And the the collaboration side of things as well, phoning up other coaches is really interesting that, you, that you'll go and tell people that you you do or don't know the answer and you're going to search it out somewhere else is that is that something that that works at, the, at a school level as well uh yeah so i would say at the school level um within the sort of the discipline specific knowledge of polo no because i'm the polo expert really within the school but certainly um in terms of the teaching and the coaching um the sports coaches collaborate quite a lot on our coaching knowledge and we have teaching and learning groups where we talk about kind of this kind of classroom specific but what works in the classroom and I tried out this uh, particular thing and this didn't work and this group of pupils was struggling with this particular aspect that, um, that I was working with and one thing that um, I've become a real fan of recently and I do it in my coaching as well as my teaching uh, and it's something that I recommend for anybody to have a go at is to take a video of yourself um, coaching um, and quite often when you watch through the perspective of the video um, how you think you come across and how you do come across can be quite different. And as I said before, I can um, come across quite directly. And quite often I've watched myself back and thought, oh, I've been a bit more direct in that situation uh, than I hope to be. And sort of by watching yourself back through another lens, it's been really helpful uh, in developing my um, kind of personal coaching skills. Uh, so that's been really beneficial for me. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I don't totally echo that. Those, those, when I've done that, I've done that in classroom sessions and in out on the water and out on a bike and all sorts. And it, it is really enlightening, isn't it? Watching yourself back and picking up on habits you've got, things you commonly say. And yeah, it is, I think it's a really good, uh, you know, self-reflection tool. Is, is that 
and just recording yourself in it, even if it's just on your phone, on your, you know, the voice recorder, just recording a bit of feedback that you're giving or a bit of instruction that you're giving can be really useful, really, really useful. So just moving on from that, um, I was on the receiving end of some coaching from you once. Well, not coaching, some teaching. And um, it sort of gave me a, a bit of insight into your creativity as a, as a teacher at the time when uh, we were on a bridge in British Columbia and you were teaching me some physics there. Uh, don't ask me what it was because then that'll be a really bad advert for your coaching. But, um, how do you keep that? You're quite known for your creativity, I think, within, within your workplace. And I've seen some of it recently on the internet, which we won't go into. But how, where does that creativity come from, Ben? And do, do you, does, the, does the school encourage it in your teaching? And or is it just something you naturally do? You want to keep things entertaining and engaging. And where does that come from? Oh, uh, that's quite a tricky question for me to think about. Um, I think, firstly, I am very lucky that in the school I teach in, um, teachers have the um, basically they're trusted to deliver the product. And as long as you deliver the product and, and people are happy with it and you get good results, whatever method you want. Uh, to use as long as it's kind of obviously within, within the confines of normal teaching then it's fine um, but within my teaching and my coaching I just I just love being creative and I think there's two reasons for that one is um, for me as a coach or a teacher it keeps it interesting for me so if I turn up to coach a polo session and I do the same thing every single time uh, or I've got a set um, set of patterns that I go through then I find it tends to get quite stale, but also I tend to, you sort of anticipate the same problems occurring. So I think, oh, I'll run this session. And then you start seeing the students, I don't know, paddling in a certain way, and you make a judgment of, oh, laugh, or you, you almost expect that based on last time when I did this, this thing happened and it went wrong. And sometimes you can put those um, preconceived judgments onto the people that you're teaching or coaching. Um, so one thing for me is like, I don't think I would develop as a teacher or a coach uh, without keep thinking of new creative ways to do it and and the other thing of course is I do I always look back and if I've and I think reflective practice is really important um, and I always think kind of when I look back the following year let's say in back in the teaching environment I'm teaching the same lesson again I look back and I often think oh actually that wasn't a particularly good way to do it and it's really annoying in some ways because I end up then kind of rewriting and reshuffling all the resources and changing it all around but if I don't do that, it doesn't break it up and it doesn't make it interesting. And also from the student's point of view, I do think um, often they've sat in the classroom all day. Uh, they've gone to various different teachers. If you can't kind of make it slightly different and you can't bring in exciting different things, then it's going to be the same for them. And I sometimes think um, there's certainly some students, uh, there's two students in particular I'm thinking of who I was their form tutor for four years. I taught them GCSE and A-level physics and I coached them kayaking two or three times a week. And for them, if there wasn't some sort of variation in the styles I used, I think they'd have probably just got completely bored with the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, but but it's still something that you've got to have built within you, isn't it? And, uh, you know, you say about it keeps you interested as much as anyone else. I remember it was either Lowell or, or Bob Timms that, that had this little thing that they used to say that if you're bored, then you're probably boring is what they said so and that, that was brilliant that really stuck with me that it's like oh yeah like I shouldn't be doing the same thing over and over in the same way because I'll become bored of it and if I'm bored of it that'll that'll really show in my coaching that and it will become boring and, and that was kind of along those lines really wasn't isn't it that 
that keeping it fresh for yourself and challenging for yourself will probably keep it fresh and probably keep it challenging and engaging for the people that we work with. And it, it, it's making sure you've got time to do that, isn't it? Because that, all that creativity takes time and takes, you know, mental effort as well. Is, is that something that just, do, do you find that an effort or is it just something that just because you enjoy doing it is just part of what you do, part of your prep? I find that if I have got a short deadline for something, I don't like it and I find it's effort and it's time, but I like nothing more than kind of sitting down for a week in the holidays with no deadline and thinking, oh, how I know that I'm going to teach, I'm thinking of something I'm going to do, I'm going to do some whitewater safety and rescue type stuff uh, with some students next half term, kind of just sitting down and thinking, well, how can I, how can I deliver this in a fun way to these students? Um, based on how I've done it before and kind of writing those resources and making those different activities and thinking, oh, that'd be fun for them. And I know that they sail. So how can I bring in that rope work that they do on sailing to what we're going to do kayaking? Um, kind of thinking about those things with no particular deadline and quite a long way in advance just makes it interesting for me. That's, that's some really interesting stuff there. I feel like I, I wanted you as my science teacher now. When I was at school, that would have been great. I'm not sure I'd like you as my science pupil, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. I, amount of times I'd keep going. Can you just say that again, please, Miss? So, um, so one other thing I wanted to talk about is um, the, the 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 differences with coaching team sports to coaching individual. So there's, there'll be a lot of people listening that, that work with two or three people but is there a mind what the, the question i'm after actually is do you think the same people that are drawn to maybe white water could be persuaded to do polo or are they just different mindsets what because they are very different like i'm not naturally drawn to to team sports so is there is there a difference when you're coaching that in the way you'll coach it because they're team people compared to the difference you'd have with maybe white water paddlers that are more in individual sport type people. Oh, that's um, quite interesting. Um, with, I think in terms of the mindset is sometimes people, as you say, will say I'm not drawn to a team sport, but sometimes I do think that it's the environment in which they were subjected to team sports, which means that they say that they don't like team sports. So to give you a couple of examples, um, I've seen it quite a few times where you take a whitewater paddler and you put them onto a polo pitch. And as a whitewater paddler, you like to think that you're pretty confident in your rolling um, and depending on the situation, you'd be able to roll in all situations. But you put someone on a polo pitch and you'd expect a polo player to be able to roll with one hand on the ball and no paddles. And all of a sudden, that person can feel out of their depth quite quickly. And so I think from my point of view, when you see the crossover of the disciplines, I'm talking about white water and polo here specifically, um, it's all about ensuring that there's um, an, an optimum learning environment created for the person when they, when they see that crossover. And I've seen it the other way as well. Um, quite often you, you take a polo player who's got an absolutely great, um, great role. They're really good, uh, really handy in their uh, boat skills. They go off to university, say, and because they're pretty handy in their boat skills and they're um, great at rolling, you all of a sudden see somebody saying, well, you can follow me down this piece of class four. And then they end up having a nightmare and end up completely falling to pieces. Um, 
and I think because of that, it's it's all about thinking. Well, that person does have that paddle sport background, but they don't necessarily have the, the decision making skills in this particular situation. So, as the coach, how are you going to bring those things together? Um, I've had a couple of boys uh, join the school who um, who've done quite a lot of white water before before they um, join the school, and they they've come to the polo. And again, it's they come to the polo with the mindset, partly rightly, partly wrongly, maybe of um, I know what I'm doing because I've done done a lot of this paddling stuff before but then sort of how do they mesh into the team and kind of working on those maybe the softer skills and keeping an eye on the other people in the team whereabouts the ball is rather than just that more individual mindset possibly of I'm going to paddle this rapid and try and get to the bottom I realize that's quite a waffly answer but I hope that sort of gives gives my, gives my thoughts that's why I, I realized when I was asking the question I was going in quite a waffly question as well so that's okay one all um yeah that, I mean that is really it is really interesting, isn't it? How how just personality types and bringing people into it. And you know, I've been a whitewater coach, you know, for an enormous amount of time. It feels like, and I spend a lot of my time trying to convince people that that is also a team sport for much of the time, in terms of looking after each other, communication, common goals. You know, on expeditions I've been on, the reason those have been successful is because we've all had the same goal, which is the same as. You know, we've got to put a ball in the back of a net. It doesn't matter what it is. If, like you said earlier, it's that that shared goal, that shared direction, and how we we as coaches in in this case, how, how we foster that and make sure people who turn up to maybe white water realise that actually what they're really doing is an individual thing, but within a within a team environment. But it's just yeah. a team environment, I think. I think the thing which for me, which um, is quite interesting as well. Um, is seeing the development that people can get from that crossover. Um, it's, it's pretty common, I'm sure you'd agree, that in the UK, um, you see the same white water paddlers going to the same spots and doing the same moves. And within polo, you often see the same polo players going to the same club, playing the same people week in and week out. And if you actually compare the skills in terms of the boat skills that both those people are putting in, in the on the piece of white water and the polo pitch, they're probably doing mostly for paddling, some turning, some edging, um, possibly a bit of rolling here and there um, but by doing the same thing week in and week out they're not really developing and so as we talked about before kind of you can change your individual you constraint or your environment to make something better if you change the environment and you put them into the polo pitch you, you go onto the white water probably what's going to happen is your your skills in that individual discipline will get better and you'll find that by by trying out a new situation which is easy to do, let's say, as a white water paddy, you might not get on much white water um, at certain points. It's quite difficult to do in the dark, but you could go to your local polo club, play in a swimming pool in the evening and still develop those paddling skills um, and make your, make your skills better in your preferred discipline. So I guess my overall message there really is to try a new discipline and see if it can have an impact on your preferred type of paddling because time on the water is time on the water. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I, I think... Um... Yeah, paddle, paddle it, good paddling is good paddling and, and it and it will breed it. And I think if you look, if you break it down like you just did, what 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 do we do on white water? We paddle forwards, we edge, we, we, we're we aware of our surroundings, we're aware of where, you know, rocks, stoppers, waves, trees, any any any, any river feature is uh, and how we how we use that, which is just like, I, I need to know where my players are, I need to know where the goal is, I need to see where opportunities are to, to make the best of the situation, which is really similar. We have short bursts of acceleration we have turns we have there's so much that that's mirrored so you've kind of answered my next question is i was going to say do you think whitewater paddlers should all have a go at polo uh i think you're going to say yes 
and it's not a recruitment drive, but it's <laughs> it's definitely something to consider. I don't think it's necessarily just polar either. It's if you live by the sea and some people like sea kayaking nearby, go sea kayaking. If you live near to a lake and there's some sprint kayaking, go sprint kayaking. I just think, and, I, and it's funny when you when we reflect back to start this conversation, I reflect back to my own personal view, probably uh, I don't know, 15 years ago now. As a whitewater paddler, I would never have said in a million years that I would get into a polo boat regularly. Um, and now that's that's what I do most of the time, and 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 it's and it is the way that I keep my skills in check. I live in Oxfordshire. There's not much white water nearby, um, and and it's been really beneficial to me. And I've seen so much benefit to others. I, I've got, for example, the the current group of upper six students I've got at the moment um, for to, to mix it up a bit. And because there's not there's well, there's no polo games going on uh, in the last year, um, we've been doing a lot more white water and been going to the Neen and things and. But for the first session that we went to the Neen, all six of those students managed to get every eddy at the Neen, surf every wave, just because of their previous experience they had with their confidence in their boat skills. Yes, it was the case that they can't read a river and it's sort of, I need to, I need to build up those skills with them. But in terms of saying, oh, can you get that eddy there? Or can you move there? Then they can absolutely do it every single time because their, um, their experience just with their paddling skills. That's, that's, and that's great. I remember you you telling me about that and that what was really nice about that was how excited you were about that transfer of knowledge and transfer of skill which was which was really good really enjoyed that so um then we're coming to the end of our time so um i'm getting lots of messages here about creativity about cross-discipline about reflective practice which is all really good which is all the sort of stuff i hear a lot from great coaches so so thank thanks ever so much for your time on this it'll be it's been really interesting and you know, having known you for a long time, it's a conversation we haven't really had before, which is, which is uh, a shame, really, because there's, there's plenty to go out there. And I think we could probably do another one, uh, another podcast at some point and take it in a different direction. But um, no, thanks ever so much for your time. Uh, I hope uh, you'll be back in a classroom teaching soon and actually doing some face to face stuff rather than like like we are now. But um, I'm sure the, the kids are looking forward to getting back back to some face to face coaching with you and, and some teaching and learning with you so yeah thanks for your time ben and uh uh yeah been a great chat enjoyed that one